Hey friends, and welcome to this episode of the Stride Forward Show. This week, I'm happy to have on a friend of mine named Matt Mike. Matt is a LinkedIn creator and blogger with about 16,000 followers on LinkedIn currently. In our conversation, we talk about how to deal with jobs that you hate, how to find work that is fulfilling to you, and how to navigate being a content creator as a new parent as well. So it's a great conversation. I hope you enjoy it. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time. So with me today, I have uh, Matt Mike, who, if I recall, we originally connected on LinkedIn a few months ago, but it's been a while since we've had a chance to chat, Matt. So if you want, just go ahead and let the audience know a little bit about you, and I'm excited to get going. Yeah, uh, excited to be here. I appreciate it, man. Guest number one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's kind yeah, of- like you mentioned, you know, we uh, we connected. I want to say like five or six months back. At this point, I was really new to my creator journey on social. That was on LinkedIn. I think, if I'm not mistaken, that was like around the time you were getting started on LinkedIn. But you had it some was. Other- Going on already too yeah and i think we we just connected as like young creators in the linkedin space you know and supported each other and uh we just built that connection um but yeah that was like six or five or six months ago um and so i post about data um primarily i talk about like the job search i talk about uh, how to transition into data analytics. So I come from a non-technical background. I broke into data analytics and that's become my brand on uh, social media or on LinkedIn, especially, um, and have been able to grow a following through that, that, uh, you know, I, I think is, has gone, has gone well, just being on LinkedIn and, uh, through that, just uh, creating different avenues of, of income. Uh, I have an ebook that I made that's that's pretty exclusive to getting into data. I, I provide career coaching services, um, and so having a presence on social media has allowed me to develop a community uh, that I've been able to tap into and help um, while at, at the same time monetizing. Uh, but it's been a great experience, and I, I'm looking forward to talking more about that creator journey uh, during our conversation here today. Yeah, absolutely. Like, that was one thing I'm glad you pointed out is I connected with you and, like, probably a handful of other people that were just starting out around that time. So this is, like, summer of 2022, and it's been amazing watching those people grow because it's, like, you just connect with people and somehow you just like your goals align and it's just really exciting seeing everyone build and build and build. Cause I mean, when I first connected with you, you probably had like 2000 followers, maybe less. And now you're at what, like 15 or 16, just on LinkedIn. (laughs) So (laughs) it's been pretty crazy watching that, but I love how, um, the one thing we had in common, which I remember from our first conversation together is your career background has been all over the place and very diverse, which mine has too. And so it's been about like finding where you really need to be and where you belong. So can you briefly run me through that again? Like where did your career start? All the puzzle pieces that went into it and then how you landed in data analysis now. Yeah, it's uh, 
it has been quite a journey. So I graduated college with an English degree. And then I, I didn't know what to do with that. So I went into <laughs> education. Um, and I was a teacher for a little bit. And, and I did have, have the privilege to move into administration. Uh, I became the dean of students of a charter school. Um, that was pretty cool. Not as glamorous as it may sound. It was really <laughs> difficult. Um, you can make and, it sound and, glamorous. Yeah. You got to just <laughs> well, make it was, sound glamorous. The pay was garbage, too. I mean, that's <laughs> just education in Arizona. I mean, I think we were, I don't know if we are, the 48th worst, worst state for education because there's just zero funding. So the teachers get paid nothing as a result. Um, but eventually burnt out on that and, and was dissatisfied with, with what I was making, too. So I went into sales, business to business sales, thinking I was just going to kill it. I was just going to be like a money making machine in sales. And I mean, it was cool because it was it was a huge uh, pay jump. Like my base salary was much higher and it was like an uncapped commission sort of deal. But I absolutely hated it. I mean, I've never hated a job more in my entire life. <laughs> it was exciting for like the first week. And then it was just, I was just filled with dread every single day. This is just high volumes of cold calling and then driving around town, uh, handle pulling, which is just cold walking into a business and trying to set up a meeting with people that don't want to be talking to you. And, uh, you know, I had varying degrees of success there, uh, but I hated it. It was like the Sunday scaries every single day of my life. So I did that for six months. And then uh, I went into uh, business operations, the corporate job. Um, and I took a pay decrease, kind of like a, t a step back in my career just to like find something I could handle at the time. Uh, did that for a little while, became a supervisor. And then that, when I was a supervisor there, that's when I started to learn about like business analytics and data analytics and uh, developed a really strong interest in it. And there's an element of that in my work. And I started discovering the data community on LinkedIn. And it's a really awesome community um, that I'm happy to be a part of now. Um, but I made the commitment to just start like learning technical skills on my own. Again, I, I don't come from that technical background, didn't go to school for it. So I was kind of learning it all myself. Um, and then I, I had my first child. Uh, so I, I was on paternity leave for six weeks, five or six weeks. And I had this, this moment where I was like, okay, you know, this is like, I, I have the opportunity to be like a full-time job seeker right now. And me and my wife are on the same page, even though we have a newborn, you know, and I spent like a solid week where I didn't worry about anything. But then I was like, okay, this is a pretty unique opportunity. And I just like eight plus hours a day was just learning courses, putting together my portfolio, just like learning and applying. I got a job as a financial analyst um, last year. And it was around that time that I started posting on LinkedIn. Uh, and it was just sort of this like, uh, the idea of the brand was like, hey, I'm, I'm new to data analytics. Let me tell you how I did it. And then the longer I've been in the space, it's become uh, yeah, I've just, just built up more of a, um, uh, like become more of a thought leader, I, I guess you could say. I hate using, like referring to myself as that. 
You're not um, an influencer. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I hate, hate that, that word too. Because that's not what I'm in it for. Right. Like, yeah. um, you know, but uh, just uh, like, I guess, a thought leader in the community and just helping people. Like my, my focus is on helping people. And like I mentioned, I, I wrote the book. I provide some services. I'm happy to do that. And that that's that's kind of like a ever morphing uh, side hustle right now um that i'm really happy to be involved in so yeah kind of a long introduction there but <laughs> that's that i mean it, it there's a lot to say because it's been a, a really long kind of windy career path but i can say that being in in data now it's definitely my favorite career i've ever had i've really enjoyed it so far the community on linkedin for data is amazing um, but another thing you and I have connected on is uh, just our passion for business. And mm-hmm. even though I really like data, I also really like working for myself. <laughs> and I, <laughs> well, um, you know, it'll come like, with time. But that's yeah. it's funny that you mentioned that because, like, you know, when I was thinking about starting on LinkedIn originally, like you. I was considering, so I work as a financial planning analyst, like as far as corporate Mm -hmm. goes. And I was considering just like, yeah, this is how you can break into this field. This is the courses you can take. This is what you can learn. This is the skills you need. But then I realized, okay, if I go down that path, so if I want to work all day as a financial planning analyst, and then do I really want to go home and create content around financial planning analysis? Like, no, I don't want to do that. (laughs) Like for me, that would burn me out so fast having the one topic all the time. And so I leaned into what are other aspects of business that I enjoy so heavily because I do have all of those interests and I don't want to get bored. I know me burnout is real. If you, if you try to force things just for the sake of money or force things for the sake of this is the only thing I know, Mm -hmm. you're just going to not enjoy the process. And that's what people do. And I see that a lot. And I'm sure you've seen it in your time on LinkedIn. People will start, they'll start getting momentum. They'll go like two months of creating and they just disappear forever. Yeah. And so it's just, it's, it sucks to see that, but I think that's a big part of it is you have to have it sounds so cliche, but you got to have the why behind it. And if your why isn't right, start over, brainstorm again. Yeah, it's so important. And so I, I'm kind of on the other side of like, I, I do do it all day and then I post about it as well. <laughs> yeah. um, but my, my mindset towards it all has just been pursuing what is pulling me and what I feel passionate about and what I can become obsessed with uh like i'm a big fan of like mr beast you've probably heard of mr beast and uh a couple like, times yeah, yeah. <laughs> his YouTube content's great but i really respect him as uh, like a business person and he speaks a lot to obsession um and you know other people like justin welsh on linkedin talk about this as well get obsessed with something you're passionate about it and it just kind of pulls you and uh and then riding the the momentum um but like you mentioned, not riding the momentum for the sake of it, but leveraging it into something that you care about. And that's been my whole mindset towards uh, like the social media growth is riding that momentum, 
and having like chasing the, the passion. And so I've, I've kind of like opened up these other little avenues through it. Uh, and, you know, genuinely, like I do like talking about the topic that I talk about. I like helping people in that way. And that's like just what it's what it's become, you know, and I'm it's sort of like uh, always growing and changing. And I'm just seeing where it, it takes me. Um, and, and then I, I write on Medium as well, which is kind of like an outlet where I, I talk about non data things. Because like you mentioned, I, I don't wanna, yeah, I don't want to like 24 seven be talking about data. It's a large part of my brand, but I like writing and, and it, I don't always want to write about data. So medium has become like a great outlet for me to just write about business, but also like just anything I want to. Yeah. But I think, like you said, you got to care about what you're doing. You have to have a strong why. Uh, Cause if you don't like you do burn out and, and there's not really a point to what, you're doing but if you know why you're doing it it carries you through the discomfort and it carries you through times where you do feel tired because you you just have this strong reason for why you're you're doing it but if you don't then you just get tired and you're like why am i even doing this you know i think that's yeah. what's helped carry, carry me to be able to do this for the amount of time that i've been doing it just like yourself yeah speaking of medium that's something i tell people a lot too is it's okay to niche on one platform if you want to do that to expedite growth or connect with a certain community, but you can do a completely different niche on another platform and that's okay. And that's what I do on Instagram. Mm -hmm. So like on, on LinkedIn, mm -hmm. I'm much more business focused, but on Instagram, I'll have some of that, but I'll also have self-discovery. I'll have productivity. I'll have all this other kind of stuff. It's like, I, and then on Twitter, I'm a wild west, man. I just go out there and tweet my random thoughts. Like there's no plan. I don't grow over there really. <laughs> so I'll say that right now, but Twitter is the wild, wild west for me. It's, it's just, Hey, I thought this weird thing, I'm putting it out there on the internet. Screw it. Uh, I want to yeah, go back and read this. Sorry, I, I just I heard I've heard of Twitter as like a good testing ground for content too. Yeah, it is. Like oh, you can tweet like five times a day, nobody cares, and then one day your tweet will blow up, and you'll be like, "Oh, there's something to that. I can expand on that somewhere." And that's how yeah. I use Twitter. I just tweet a bunch of random stuff, and eventually one of them will kind of take off a little bit. Um, but I want to go back to earlier in your career because that's interesting. You mentioned. Like you had a job you hated. It was Sunday scaries every day. So mm -hmm. I've had that before too. So this was way back in 2015. I worked, I was working at a hospital and I hated it. The team was terrible. I hated my life basically because when you work a job you hate, it sucks everything out of you. Like you go home and you hate home and you're tired and exhausted and you just have nothing. It feels like your world crumbles when you have a job you hate. Mm -hmm. So it was Thanksgiving day, 2015. I was at work because, you know, hospitals never close, obviously. And I don't remember what exactly happened, but I ended up like crying in the stairwell mm -hmm. at work. And that for me was a turning point. And like, okay, I'm, I was 24 or 25 at the time, whatever. And I was like, do I really want to do this for the next like 40 years? No, like when you really think about your career as a whole, like it doesn't matter. Even if you're 40 years old, 45 years old, you have 20 years left in your career. If you're doing something you don't like, change it. And so I'm curious to know, 
because back then, you know, that was before you had your daughter. Like, what was it that made you go, like, I'm worth more than this job I hate. How am I going to go about finding something I like? What was your process for that? So uh, when I was in sales specifically or mm -hmm. operations. Well, I sales, that was the really bad one, right? Was the sales? That was the really bad one. I mean, honestly, there it was just desperation, if I'm being honest with you. I quit without okay. a backup plan. I just... Yeah. No, it was it was pretty crazy time. I actually just wrote about this on Medium, this story. Uh, but it was a wild time because my wife and I had gotten married just months earlier. She was working, but she was really close to starting uh, PA school, which was a full-time program. She wasn't going to be yeah. working, and I was going to be the sole breadwinner. Um, but I was miserable, and it was affecting yeah. our marriage. I mean, I, I had a lot of issues because of it, just to try to cope with all the stress yeah. and uh we did have like a savings we had like a like a three to six month emergency fund uh and i was kind of side hustling on task rabbit like on weekends uh which for anyone who hasn't heard of task rabbit it's just sort of like think of like the uber for just any kind of gig and so i i would like put together ikea furniture and help people move and stuff like that with my truck the real grind. Yeah. So it's kind of like <laughs> having your own business, but on another platform. Um, and that was like pretty steady. I'd been doing it for years, actually, at that point. Um, so we, we just talked and we decided, uh, okay, like we have this emergency fund. This is, this is kind of an emergency, right? Like mental health is serious. Uh, it's not the greatest timing, but... You know, we, we have savings, we have that little bit of income. You could just start doing that more while you're looking for other jobs. And we just decided that uh, my mental health and, and our marriage was worth not sticking it out in that job. And we took the leap. And I probably wouldn't recommend that for someone who doesn't have savings or doesn't have a diversified income. I think that's one reason why side hustles are important and why you should have as many as you can reasonably to a reasonable extent. Um, I was able to pivot because of that. If we, if we didn't have those things, I mean, I, I might've just stayed miserable for a while longer. Uh, so I think that kind of came down to, we were, we had been working on things in the background to prepare for our future, like the savings and like having a side hustle or whatever, but it really came down to a mental health issue. And that's what drove me to operations is looking for something that even if it was a paid decrease or whatever, something that I could uh, um, really tolerate and enjoy. And honestly, I did enjoy it for a while. Uh, just became what I, you know, I just decided I didn't want to do that long term. And I discovered data, which was a lot more exciting to me. Yeah. So mm -hmm. for me, my turn was speaking of side hustles, like my way of getting out was that's when I turned to freelancing. So writing, photography, and then a later on consulting. And that's where I learned so much about like contracts and scope of projects and all that stuff. But that was mine was, was freelancing. So having, and that's why even on LinkedIn, I talk about that all the time, like your social media belongs to you, build your brand because you never know what will happen. And then also diversify your income because a nine to five is not nearly as safe as anyone 
wants you to believe. I mean, at the end of the day, you can be fired at any moment and, or maybe you have a job you love, but you love it because your manager is awesome. Well, maybe your manager goes somewhere else and you get this new manager that sucks. Like there's a thousand and one ways a job alone is not good enough mm-hmm. in my eyes. So there's that, but I'm curious to know too, like how has, so you're doing, so you're working full time, you have your side hustle, you're creating content, you have this young daughter. How are you balancing parenthood with all of this other stuff? That's a great question. <laughs> uh, it's It's been a learning process. Um, and going back to what I said earlier, I it really is where I think uh, obsession is kind of key. So I, I think obsession has become a taboo word in our society. Like we view obsession as like, for me, it's addiction. Bad things. Yeah, I was just for me. It's say, addiction. Like, addiction is like like when when people think the word addiction, they immediately think like drugs or yeah. something harmful. And it's weird because like say like the video game industry, for example, they use addiction as like a good thing. Oh, this game is so addicting. You're gonna love it. Yeah. And so it's like addiction. So I, that's yeah. why I would say like follow your addiction. Like if you're addicted to something, you can talk about it all the time. It's probably yeah. some more, something to go with it. I think that word addiction is what scares people about it too. But I think like reframing the idea of obsession, like you can be obsessed about good things that are really productive. Uh, but anyways, it's, uh, I've really had to figure it out as, as I go, like in the beginning when I was just doing content, uh, that was overwhelming at times because I was still figuring out a routine. I was, I was still getting into it. Uh, but I think over time as I've gotten comfortable with it, I've just I've made it a daily habit to post. That's really important to me. I don't think everyone needs to do that, but I just know that for me, I'll lose momentum if I don't have that discipline. I'll be like, oh, I'll post three times a week, and be like, ah, well, I'll just do it once a week. Like I'm so busy, and then it's like, oh, uh, you know, like whenever I feel like it, and I'll just never do it. But as I've done it every day, it's gotten easier. Um, easier to think up content easier uh or like less stressful coming up with it um i used to plan ahead posts like almost a week out to be honest with you now most days i just write it the day of because that's what i'm like comfortable just, with or i'll write it just like vibes man hey, What's just, that? just vibes just go with the vibes yeah. man <laughs> and, and to be honest i don't even like to schedule that far out because like i'm always thinking of stuff or my mind is is changing on things. I, I'll, I'll write like tomorrow's post. It's like as far as I'll go right now. But it's, my routine's kind of always changing. But just like developing a routine, um, being on the same page as my wife is a is a big one. And sometimes like there's a lot of compromise that needs to happen. She's overall like pretty supportive. Um, but, you know, like uh, I, I'm I'm able to do some of the things that I do while I'm at work as well. Like when it's slow and we do a lot from our phones today, right? Um, but when I come home from like you know, my day or when I'm done working for the day, uh, I, I spend those first few hours with my daughter. And then when she goes to sleep, she goes to sleep around 7.30. Then I, I'm, just, I'm just grinding whatever tasks I, I had to do that day. If I, if I wasn't able to do them earlier in the day, I'm trying to do them then. Um, so I'm really big on having like an objectives list or a to-do list. 
Um, cause in addition to like the things we've talked about, uh, like I, I'm even like, I have like a faceless Etsy shop where I sell Excel templates and that has nothing to do with like my personal brand. It's just like a totally experimental project with like a, a random like company name. You know what I mean? Okay. Um, and so I'm always like, just like want, like I, I'm getting really, I, I'm getting ready to start my newsletter too. And it can sound like, oh, man, uh. there's like so many different things going on. Uh, but I think when you care about it, like you just find the time to do it. If I have like downtime at work, I'll write on medium or something. It's like cathartic for me, you know? Um, I typically, you know, I, I post in the morning or I spend my LinkedIn time in the morning or I go on a midday walk for like 45 minutes a day, like during my like lunch. And during that time, like I'm just ideating. Like I just spend that time thinking. I, I do really well when I'm walking and thinking like it, it's just like a idea generating time and I love it. And so I'll write down stuff like as I'm walking. Um, but again, like back to the, the obsession, the drive, like when it's pulling you, you want to do it and you feel like doing it. And it, it, it becomes rather than being this thing like, Oh, I got to do this today. It becomes this like, okay, like when am I going to have time to do this? Like, I can't wait to like jump in and do this. And so the sacrifices I do make is like, I don't, I don't watch a ton of TV. I, I used to play video games. I don't anymore. Um, because like, if I'm not spending time with my daughter, I'm usually like working on something, uh, in the mornings I work out before I go to work. And then, you know, maybe like I'll watch an op- episode of Bob's burgers to like w- unwind before bed. But I think the <laughs> trap a lot of us get into is we finish our nine to five and then we like plop on the couch and drink beer and watch TV until it's bedtime. Then we do it all over again. But you just have to tap into like, I'm not going to waste my time. Having my daughter was one of the most life-changing things for me, not just because I became a dad, but I had this mindset shift where I was just like, man, like life is really short. And what example am I setting for my daughter? I want to be an example to her of someone who takes risks, who goes after the things they're passionate about. I, I want to teach her that she could do anything she puts her mind to and to chase her, her passions. I think you posted about this the other day, but you talked about like how you wasted a lot of time being afraid to take risks and, and go after what you're passionate about. And that was me too, like up until last year. And now it's like, once I started doing it, I just became really excited about chasing things that I want to do and just looking at like, okay, I only have so much time not just in a day, but like in the scope of life to do these things. Am I going to waste my time just trying to be comfortable or am I going to spend time that like stretches me and, and, you know, takes a lot of planning and organization, but is really rewarding and really fruitful at the same time. So that's a lot of what I think about with this type of thing. Yeah. A lot of speaking of like getting started too late, a lot of that for me was just like my own insecurities. Like just specifically for me, like even growing up, like for whatever reason, I developed this like weird, like problem with like my appearance. And so if anytime I was going to like have a photo online or somebody see my face or hear me talk, it was about like, wow, I'm really insecure. So I actually hate the sound of my own voice. So it's actually like behind the scenes, a reason to start the podcast is to get more comfortable hearing my own voice and being okay with that. 
And so that's, that's kind of what I encourage people to do is if it scares you a little bit, just do it because sooner than you think you'll be over it. So like, I'm thinking two podcast episodes in, I'll be like, all right, whatever. That's my voice. It is what it is. And so it's kind of like this weird, like tackle your insecurities and changing your mindset in that kind of way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can relate in that. Uh, I feel like I got started with some of the things I'm doing now pretty late in life. I'm, I've turned 32 this month and I still view that as very young, but when I think of like who I was 10 years ago or when I graduated college, I wasted so much time. Like when I first became a teacher, when I was making nothing, I was making 28,000 a year. If you can believe it. Yeah, that's it. nothing. That's like, you yeah. can't survive. <laughs> yeah. When I lived with four other guys, which is the only way I was able to afford rent. And even then, like I was, I was barely able to, to make ends meet. And I would just waste time. Like I would just like, oh, I'm, I have nothing to do nice. I'm just going to watch TV. And I would do some things out of uh, some side hustle stuff out of necessity. But it was stuff like Uber. It wasn't like creating my own anything, you know? And I just think back to like, I had so much time to to build my own thing and and uh, and, and make money, you know, and, and build a personal brand or build a business or whatever. But I didn't have the confidence. You know what I mean? I had time, but I didn't have confidence now i have a lot less time but i have a lot more confidence <laughs> um but you it's know never what? the perfect mix there's yeah. never the perfect mix and i was uh you know I, I i was listening to to joe rogan the other day and and i i heard him talk about this but some people when they have a child uh a light does sort of turn on for them like for me i can say i i didn't develop the drive that I have now until my daughter was born. And that that's what they were talking about, like on that, that episode, he was talking about how he knows a lot of people where that's been the reality. Like they kind of just wandered through life or were wasting time. And then they had a kid and like, Oh, I got to get serious. And then they became more productive and successful than ever. And, um, you know, so I'm not saying like, all right, if you want to, if you want to, hey, if you drive, want motivation, have a baby right now, don't do that. Yeah, but I want to like like say to anyone listening who doesn't have a kid, like just think about how much time you have right now and find the things that you're passionate about and the things that move you and that you can become obsessed with. Just don't waste your time and go after like, you know, you still want to have balance in your life, like have some fun, but life is only going to get busier. And if you're just afraid to do that thing you want to do, just just do it like you, you might fail. But no one, honestly, no one cares if you fail. No one cares no one about notices. crappy content. Yeah, no one cares about crappy content. No one cares about stupid businesses. No one cares about any about anything about that. People are too busy to be focused on the things that sucks. If it sucks, they'll move on from it and forget about it. But what they will remember is the good stuff. So when you're like getting ready to post and you do this post and it bombs. Like, oh, I only got like 100 impressions. I got like one reaction. That might feel embarrassing, but those 100 people that saw it, if it, if it really was a, a bad post, which I've had bad posts, they're going to forget it in five seconds. They're not going to look at you like, oh, this is that loser yeah. who had that one reaction. 
They're Remember six months ago when he didn't have any comments on that bad yeah. post? <laughs> exactly. No one is thinking that. I know I don't. But if it's a good post, you're gonna think, "Wow, like that. That was that really insightful. Fucking I'm smart. <laughs> yeah, this guy's amazing. I'm gonna save his post. I'm gonna follow him. I'm gonna ring the bell. That's what they remember. And so, like for me, I was really ring afraid to post it. But you know, like you just can't. You can't get into that trap of like, what if it bombs? What if it tanks? I don't want to embarrass myself. You just got to do it. Like I'm writing on Medium right now and it's it's newer. And I know that not not every article is great, but if the article sucks, then no one looks at it anyways. But I've had some articles that have been great and you get good feedback and that's what matters. You know what I mean? And you got to get your yeah. reps in. You don't become better at posting unless you post a lot. And inevitably, you're going to have posts that suck. It happens to everyone, not even just in the beginning, even when you're further along. Like you might have a post like, oh, I thought that was going to be good, but that sucked. Um, but it's just a part of the process. Yeah, like after you do it for a while, you start to get this feel for what will work and what won't. And then you craft up a post. You got the perfect selfie in there. You're like, oh, this is going to go viral for sure. <laughs> and then two hours later, it's like crickets. It's like, all yeah. right, well, guess I'm ugly now. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> but that, I feel like the same concept applies to to pretty much anything. So say even entrepreneurship, for example, one of my favorite people is Mark Cuban. And so like everybody knows Mark Cuban as this obviously super wealthy billionaire owner of the Dallas Mavericks guy on Shark Tank. But that dude, if you go back and read his story or listen to his story, he bombed so many businesses. I remember one of them was he opened up a bar in Texas when he was underage. He tried to open up a bar when he was underage. <laughs> so obviously that got shut down. He started some kind of milk company. He was like, that's a great idea. He couldn't get funding for it. And then he, he went and did a sales job and got fired because he sucked at it. Mm -hmm. And so like you have these like incredibly successful people with a long list of failures behind them. And that's all it is. It's like, don't let the one failure or the fear of failure, you know, prevent you from trying to move forward because one failure is nothing. It's just a learning experience. Yeah. So yeah, like, that's kind of, yeah, fell forward is definitely the way to go. So speaking of your medium articles, like you mentioned, like mixed feedback, I remember your first one. So one thing. I figured out we had in common is like our fathers both passed away pretty early uh in mm -hmm. our lives compared to you know not as children but in our young adulthood and compared to what a lot of people experience with their parents do you think that affected your so this will be a two-part question we'll start with the crew do you think like your relationship mm -hmm. with him affected your career and your content creation journey at all like how um... did that impact you on a career level i i don't know if it impacted too much i think like a lot of context needs to be shared there and maybe that's part of the, yeah. the second question but um, just go for know. it now <laughs> yeah i mean my relationship with my dad was not good um throughout my life um and that actually did a lot to hurt my confidence and make me a really insecure person uh so i'm going to say right up front i love my dad and I love him after death. Um, but growing up was rough. And there there was some 
tough moments. There was a little bit of abuse, not nothing like criminal, like, you know, uh, so I don't want to paint this awful picture of him, but he wasn't like the greatest dad growing up and he wasn't really involved in my life. And I know as, as just like a person, as a man that really hurt my confidence a lot because I, I just didn't grow up with that. Like, Oh, if you mess up with something, uh, you know, it, it's okay. And you have that support. Like my upbringing was kind of lonely. I also didn't have any siblings. And so I think uh, for a lot of my life, I lacked confidence just because of my upbringing and not being able to really like deal with it around the time he died though. And he died like five years ago at this point. Um, that was a really healing experience. And I talk about that in the article. Um, I was able to forgive him during that time and he was able to apologize and we got really close. We had never been closer than in the last um, like year of his life when he was dying of cancer. And that healed me a lot and it gave me a lot of confidence in who I was to have that relationship with my dad and to have that healing and to learn more about his life and who he was. And I was able to even bond with people in his family that I hadn't seen since I was a baby. Um, so that definitely helped me from like a, like knowing who I am perspective uh, and, and which I think probably plays into like taking more risks. Um, but uh, yeah, it's just, it's been kind of a crazy road with my dad. And, and even, even now, like when I wrote that article, I was processing more stuff, you know, and I've, I've had to, provide myself with a lot of uh, compassion and, and healing. So one thing I used to do, this is around the time of his, his death. It was, yeah, a few years ago. I would uh, think about, and this is going to, this might sound really out there for some people, but it was kind of like self therapy. I would think about the little boy I was, who was going through those moments of heartache or abuse or whatever, like, uh, dad yelling at me or whatever it was and not really having the comfort. And I would speak to my inner child uh, as if I was an older brother or even a dad and just tell him like, like an older brother from the future, like, Hey, it's all going to work out. Like you're going to grow up into this amazing person. Um, don't, don't let this, you know, uh, don't let this bring you down. Like just, just wait for what's in store. And I would even write, letters to myself from the past and it was just this like these, these this time of of healing because i was just sort of metaphorically wrapping my arms around the like abused child and giving him the support he never had and, and that was just like incredibly healing for me so my relationship with my dad while there's been a lot of highs and lows it's led to a lot of self discovery. And so I'm, I'm grateful for my journey through all that, even though it's, it's been difficult. Um, but I think that the way I can tie that all up is, is to say, um, when you go through processes of self discovery or self healing, it gives you confidence to go out and, and try, try new things and to live a more adventurous life and, and things like that. Cause sometimes when we have a lot of trauma we don't deal with. It can really shake our confidence as people. And we just don't have the courage to go after those things. We might be dealing with depression. We don't think we're 
capable or worth it going after those things. You, you just don't think that you deserve more in life. And so I, I think a lot of people get stuck in that way. Um, but whether it's going through therapy or, or going through some self healing or reading books or resolving issues with your family, I know this took like a really psychological turn, but uh, no, that's what we're here for, man. <laughs> yeah. And I know like you and I both write about pretty deep stuff on medium sometimes. Like we said, it's our outlet. Uh, and, and it's just, I think that mental health stuff, it really is important to the whole picture, you know? to uh pursuing your passions and things like that yeah yeah i have an innate skill for asking these really specifically specific questions that might seem a little weird but really it's gonna tap into something (laughs) like i've always had that that's why i was good at sales i was like yeah tell me tell me about Mm -hmm. this and then they just start getting really into their feels and it's (laughs) but yeah so but my relationship with my father i mean it was mostly good yeah, I mean, he was very supportive all around. He was a he was a good dad, and uh, I mean, there were times when it didn't feel so good, of course. But the only thing he left me in terms of that, which also affected my self confidence a lot, was just very high expectations for both me and my brother, mostly around sports, but really anything. Um, and so I led with the career question because it's it's funny how like when certain people in your life pass away they'd never really leave you. And so like even three, four years after he died, I accepted a job at a company that I wasn't necessarily too thrilled about, but I knew he would have been if he was alive. Mm. And so it's like really kind of strange almost how like people that have been gone for a while, if there's certain people in your life, you still make decisions for them. And it's like, you're never, you're always trying to still please them, especially like a father figure, like as like a boy or a man, like there's something weirdly triggering around like pleasing your father or making him proud. And so it's, it's weird that that continued for me even after he passed, but, mm-hmm. um, yeah. And so I was just curious to know if that had guided your career at all, but really the, the even bigger question on that is how often do you think like your relationship with him affects your day-to-day life now. And I'm sure it affects, you know, your own parenting a ton. So is it something you think about all the time? Yeah, that's, that's a really good question. Um, topical too. So my wife and I, so when my dad died, I got like this box of his stuff. It was mostly like pictures and yearbooks and stuff like that. And I went through some of it, but I just like never really, went through it. I don't know if there was a part of me that was like almost afraid to go there. I, I think some of it was laziness too. It was just a lot of stuff. <laughs> but my <laughs> wife and I were like, all right, let's, we're decluttering and we were like, let's go through this. I found tons of like pictures of my dad that I've never seen before. We had a lot of pictures, which was, which was really cool. And they were like the printed out kind of pictures, you know? And uh, that night, like, I was looking at pictures of him from when he was a kid, like a toddler. It was yeah, like mind blowing. <laughs> and dude, I like I wept. I I cried because wow. I was like I just thought about like he's dead now, you know. He died at seventy three, but like he was a little baby just like my daughter, 
And that just like, it was just this like, <laughs> like moment, you know, he's just, he's just like dad to you. And he's always the same person. And I feel like the same thing yeah. happens like as, so now it's the opposite with my mother. Like she's starting to get, you know, old for lack of a better word, you know, becoming elderly. And so it's also like the exact opposite, like not only were they once the toddler, but also like, as we're mm -hmm. growing into ourselves, they're growing old and entering the last phase of their life. Yeah. And it's so easy to get so caught up, not in like a conceited teenager kind of way, but just of like, it's so easy to get caught up raising your own child like you are or growing your own career or whatever the case may be. And then losing sight of the fact that like your parents are entering the last phase of their life and they're not going to be around that much longer potentially. Yeah. And so it, it's just like, they're like having that awareness to be like, you know what? Sometimes I need to pause, maybe pause my own goals just to cherish, you know, whatever moments we have left. Yeah. That's a great point. Um, cause now like my dad being gone, like part of why I got emotional was I was thinking about like this, I wish he could have met my daughter, you know? Um, cause even before he died, he spoke of, of me and my wife with, a, uh, even though he'd never met her, he only would like see her on social media and stuff. And he, he spoke about us with like a lot of confidence and faith. We were, we were, I, we were actually broken up at the time, but my wife and I, like we were together for years, but we broke up for like almost a year at one point because we were just both going through things. And he was, he was just talking like, you guys are going to make it. Cause we were still like in contact. It wasn't like a totally clean, like we're done. She's like, you guys are going to make it. Gonna be fine. And I just thought about like, when I saw those pictures, like, man, like I just, I wish he could have met my daughter. Like I he would have been so happy to, to know that he was a grandpa and to meet his, his, his granddaughter. And, you know, it, it's, it's tough that his life was, was cut kind of short from cancer. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think about like my mom now or my wife's parents and my wife's grandparents are still alive too. And they're nearing the end of, of their life. And it really is important to, cherish that time with who you have. And I think about that a lot with my daughter. I think experiencing the death of my dad and um, honestly, it sounds weird, but I think about death all the time. Oh, yeah, that's weird. That's yeah. a whole second episode of this. <laughs> <laughs> but like to explain, I think, of, I think about the brevity of life uh, and just like, man, like I, I'm going to die sometime. I could die tomorrow in a car crash, you know, right? Um, or I can die in 60 years of natural causes. I, I don't know, but I have no control over when I will die. And, and it gives me pause and it makes me think about how much I want to make today the best I can and to cherish time. Like even with my daughter, um, like she's only a baby once. And I love the stage that she's in. And so that's why, like, when I do come home from work or whatever, those few hours with my daughter, it's, like, non-negotiable. I'd rather, if I have stuff I got to do, I'd rather stay up late and lose sleep to get it done than to sacrifice time with my daughter. And it, it helps me to reprioritize things. Like, if, there, if I do have something planned in the evening that cuts into that time, sometimes I reconsider, like, like canceling it because I'm, like, 
I don't want to only spend 30 minutes with my daughter for the whole day. Like, what if I died tomorrow and I knew that, like, wow, I only got to see my daughter for 10 minutes yesterday on the last day of my life. Like, I just think about weird stuff like that. But it helps me to, like, okay, well, like, I'm going to, like, squeeze as much out of today as I can and get, like, even just as much time with my daughter as I can and really enjoy that time not take it for granted. Like, I already want to have decades together. So, you know, I, what's today? <laughs> like, well, that might be true, but it might not. Um, and so I think when when you think about death, there's kind of like a healthy balance of, like, understanding uh, the, like, fragility of life. Um, but I think it's hard to think about death in that way if you've never experienced the death of a loved one, too. Because my, my dad passed a few years ago, but a few years before that, my aunt, who I was really close to, died as well. Uh, and then I, I had a friend who died of a drug overdose a few years back. He's a close friend. Um, and so I've just like, as sad as it is, I've experienced death numerous times of close people in my life. And it just makes you think about like, whoa, like this guy, he was, you know, like in his 20s and he just died. Like ran like he was trying to get sober, and he over, he relapsed once, and that that took his life. And it's just like life is crazy like that. Like you really could just be gone tomorrow uh, from one mistake or one accident that has nothing to do with any of your decisions. And uh, it motivates me to not waste my life. You know what I mean? So I think that's where there's a healthy balance there. You don't want to live a life of anxiety and fear over death. But I think if you can think about it in this way uh, that allows you to not take life for granted, I think that's the sweet spot. Yeah, it's it's a really powerful motivator. And it's just, that's how I think about motivation in general is I think motivation is misunderstood by a lot of people and that they think motivation is an emotion. And motivation is not an emotion. Motivation is... Like a lot of people like, especially the most common one is they wait to feel like inspired. Like that never happens. Like motivation is your ambitions is mm. how I look at it. So like your, you know, your desire and your ambition is to spend more time with your daughter or, you know, build whatever it is you want to build. Your motivation has nothing to do with, I feel like it or I don't. Your motivation is entirely just like your goal. And so, and that can segue into a whole bunch of stuff, like make sure your goals are set high enough so you don't <laughs> hit them too, too quickly and all kind of stuff. But that was awesome, man. Um, I'm, I'm glad you were willing to share that, but I do want to, as we close out this episode, let's try to bring it down to a more fun ending. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that. so I'm curious yeah. to know, like, what, what have you been, I know you said you don't really watch that much. You work in your own stuff. Like if you, what you've been reading or podcasts you've been listening to lately, what's, what would you recommend to the, to the listeners? Yeah. Uh, a lot of my motivational content just kind of comes through LinkedIn and, and medium, honestly. So okay. like I, I do listen to audiobooks Sometimes I listen to a lot of podcasts um, but it's like true crime podcasts and like Joe Rogan. Oh no, nothing's more basic than the true crime. <laughs> the morbid podcast. That thing's like in the top five podcasts in the, the world right now on Spotify. Are um, you into ghost podcasts too? Not just true crime. No. But I have a friend that's really into like ghost stories. 
I am into that stuff. Okay. But I only listen to Morbid because I, I just love it so much. And they have a lot of episodes and content. Um, but anyways, that's like, like fun stuff. Um, yeah, I, mean, I, I just like, I'm really involved in the LinkedIn space and I follow a lot of people that motivate me each and every day, like yourself, you know? And oh, some other thanks. People, Shucks. Then <laughs> <laughs> medium is as well. Um, so yeah, I mean, right now, like just my, my involvement online provides a lot of inspiration just as I'm, I'm helping my peers, but I'm also looking to those that I can learn from, um, and kind of always trying to build my brand or my, uh, business through that. And, but I like listening to Joe Rogan too, because he has a lot of really interesting people on there. And I listen, I listen to, um, some podcasts from my friends too, that are in the data space or like, I like Slotco's podcast. What is my brain? That's a great one. Uh, and so I do listen yeah. to those as well. And, uh, I, I, so for the past, like however many months, uh, I've kind of exclusively been listening to podcasts, but last year I listened to a lot of audiobooks. I just, even though I was like an English major and I love to write, it's hard for me to sit down and read <laughs> uh, these okay. days. I, but I think like ever since I, I had a kid, uh, life feels really like high octane and it's really hard for me to like sit down and find time to read. It just got harder once my wife got pregnant to like slow down and do those things. Um, but I, I listen to a lot of content. And so I, I listened to, you know, a bunch of audiobooks last year. Um, but I like audio because you can leverage it while doing other things, while I'm driving, while I'm at the gym in the morning or whatever, while I'm, I have downtime at work, you know. Um, so probably not the most specific answer to your question. <laughs> no, that's fine. But that's, then there's yeah, a better question. Uh, what? So if you had two or three creators on LinkedIn or really anywhere, but we'll we'll start with LinkedIn. Uh, if you had two or three creators that you would recommend anybody follow, who would it be? Oh goodness, that's a, that's that's a tough one because there's so many great people. Um, first, I, I mean, I'm going to recommend someone probably everyone has heard of and that's justin welsh um okay. not everyone's heard of him i i have people i talk to on linkedin who, who don't know who he is but a lot of people have heard of justin welsh but i say justin welsh because when i was in link uh first getting involved in linkedin i was a lurker for like a year i would just hop on and i would i would read stuff it was the only social media i used uh and, and still use um I kind of cut out things like Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter from my life. Oh, got to get off Facebook. Facebook is yeah. never not a place for no one. <laughs> yeah. now, I haven't been on Facebook in years. Um, but LinkedIn was really motivational. And I just stumbled into this guy, Justin Welsh, and I would read his content every day. And he was ultimately the one that inspired me to eventually start posting and to really want to emphasize having a side hustle that I can maybe one day grow into a full-time business um, when I'm ready for that. Uh, so Justin Welsh, for sure. He's the GOAT. Um, I would say uh, for personal branding, um, I got to recommend Luke Matthews. 
He's a really zany. He's in jail like, right now, apparently. What? He's in Le- he's in LinkedIn jail, not real jail. Oh, LinkedIn jail. I was going to say, <laughs> I wish I would have posted about that. Um, I he, didn't know it that. It wouldn't shock me if like one day he me. he got arrested. It wouldn't shock me like he got arrested. It wouldn't shock me if he got arrested on purpose just for content. Mm. Because I feel like he's yeah. that kind of guy that would do that. Him and his cousins. He's a wild dude. <laughs> what I love about Luke Matthews is he, he's really into like your personality is your brand. And he has really yeah. taught me to lean into that leaning into my personality is being a part of my personal brand and not being so buttoned up all the time. And he's like the best of that. Cause he, he posts all the time. Like he posts like two or three times a day sometimes. And sometimes it's really random, but he's just really good at posting content that gets a lot of hits that uh, is really personal, but also has a lot of business stuff sprinkled in too so i just think he's really great at personal branding um and then let's yeah, see he's, he's way more strategic than people give him credit for too oh yeah exactly that's like, the thing like uh, <laughs> he, he has experience that that he's like this uh goofball but he's but he, he knows exactly what he's doing yeah <laughs> he knows what he's doing he's really good at it and the fact that he makes it look so nonchalant is part of his expertise in my opinion um and then probably say Matt Barker is a great one as well. That's a dude who's grown a lot in the last year. I think he's close to 60 K followers. Now he really taught me uh, a lot of copywriting techniques, which copy is one of those really underrated skills when it comes to posting on social media uh, or honestly, it, it has so much uh, importance in business as good copywriting. And, uh, you know, I, I like writing a lot, but copy is a little different. And he's just he's taught me how to make a good post, basically. So those are three dudes that I would totally recommend to anyone. But I mean, on, on the, the data side, uh, like I got to shout out Annie Nelson. He was one of yeah. the people that inspired me to get into to data. Um, Jess Ramos is another really great one. Yeah. So she's really good. Jess. Yeah. What's awesome about Jess is like, she's in the data space, but she posts about stuff that goes viral. That isn't like, it's not just about data. Like she just knows how to write a good heartfelt post. So she's good to follow. Even if just like, you just want to learn what a, a how to write a good post that's really personal. You know what I mean? Yeah. She's a great one and and uh she's someone I appreciate a lot. We're pushing over an hour now, so I'm just gonna wrap it up here, but I wanna give you a chance. Where can everyone find you moving forward? Yeah. So I mean LinkedIn is where I'm most active. It's just uh LinkedIn forward slash Matthew Mike uh medium. You know, you're you're gonna find business and personal content there and the the handle is just matt dash mike um as far as like social goes those, those are really the only places to find me right now very niched into just those two platforms and there's nothing wrong with that a lot of people say master one before moving to the next so that's kind of your plan it seems so yeah all right well <laughs> thanks everyone for listening and we'll see you again soon bye everyone